0: Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. We've got a really good good episode. Uh, we have with us Bob Berg. He's a co-author of a series of books called The Go-Giver, and it's really about achieving extraordinary results. And um, he came to me highly referred. His book, by the way, is an international bestseller. How many different languages are you in? I think
0: 28.
1: 28 languages. And so th- you know, th- this is a significant piece of work that's had major impact on the world. Thank you. Uh, so I have no doubt we're going to learn a lot from you, Bob. So let me, let me just start off and, you know, what does Go-Giver mean and, and sort of maybe a little bit of where you came up with the idea.
0: Sure. Um, the Go-Giver series was co-authored with John David Mann, who's a fantastic writer. Uh, I'm more of a how-to guy, step one, step two, step three. So it was a, a really fun collaboration. Uh, three of the four books in the series are parables. So they're stories with a, with a message. Uh, A go-giver can be best described as a person who who understands that shifting their focus, and this is really the key, uh, shifting their focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, understanding that not only is that a, a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well.
1: So when you talk about that, um, you know, I find myself in business, I'm giving, giving. I think this podcast is a form of giving. I think you being on the podcast is a form of giving. Uh, I write lots of articles. I share when people call me, it's almost like they have to remind me that I should charge them because I'm really focused on them. Is that what you're talking about? Or is it more about life in general? Maybe go a little. Um, no, I, I,
0: you know, as far as when you say I, they need to remind me that I need to charge them. No, that that wouldn't really be part of the philosophy. We believe in in making a very very good living. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a. a Someone who runs their business, the go-giveaway tends to charge more for their services because they're focused on the exceptional value they're providing to that other person. So, they're, so rather than being a low price commodity, they're usually going to be the higher price specialty. Uh, so, so it's really understanding, though, that it all begins with the giving of value to others, with the focus on, on others. Uh, this is why we say that money is simply an echo of value uh which means the focus must be on the other person uh, on the value you're providing them the money you receive is simply a very natural result of the value uh that you've provided and when we say you know go giver there there's nothing about this that is um uh you know out there or woo woo about this or theoretical uh you know the fact is nobody is going to buy from you because you need the money, right? Or because you have a quota to meet, or even because you're a really nice guy. They're gonna yeah. buy from you because ultimately, they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Now, when you say about you know giving in terms of doing a podcast or putting out information, yeah, that is a form of, of providing value to the marketplace, absolutely. And there's a good chance that when you do this enough and you do it strategically, it's going to come back to you in fantastic ways. Uh, What we would say is, you know, don't have an attachment to it coming back from any specific uh, person or what have you, but know that when you're out there creating value for the marketplace, again, in an intelligent way, in a strategic way, you're creating the, um, the benevolent context for your success.
1: Yeah. And, and that's really the point that I was trying to get at. Is because the name might think that all you're doing is giving, 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 but it's really much deeper than that. And you're, uh, right.
0: Laws it, two you, and five are the laws of compensation and receptivity. So yeah. two of the five laws are have to do with the receiving. But yeah.
1: And, but, and that was my next question: Is right. you have five laws, and would you share the five laws with everyone?
0: Sure. Well, the first one's the law of value, and this is really the foundational principle. And this one says your true worth in the business sense is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear this, it sounds a little counterintuitive. Give more in value than I take in payment? Uh, you know, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, right? Uh, so we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It Is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to someone? Uh, so much value that they will willingly exchange their money for it or their time or their energy or their opportunity cost or whatever it happens to be. Let's say in this case exchange their money for it and be ecstatic that they yeah. did while you make a very healthy profit. on a very very basic level, it's the uh, it's hiring that accountant to do your taxes and the accountant charges you a thousand dollars, that's their fee or their price, but they they save you, $5,000. They wow. save you countless hours of time. They provide you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. They gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 payment. So you feel great about it. But yeah. they also made a very, very healthy profit, which they should because they were willing to, you know to them, $1,000 for this is is what they, what they desire. So, uh, you know, in a, in a free market based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else in a free market based exchange. There are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them came away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. And that's really the, the law of value in a nutshell. That's cool. No. So you got four more. Yep. Law number two is the law of compensation. This says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives we touch with the exceptional value we provide, the more money with which we'll be rewarded. So in the previous example, your accountant did a great job for you and um, the chances are you you uh, appreciate that you'll do business with him again, and you'll refer him to others. And his other clients probably feel the same way. So our accountant is amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income will continue to grow and grow. So, you know, it's Nicole, the CEO in the story, told Joe, the protege, law number one represents your potential income. Law number two, the number of lives you impact represents your actual income. Very number, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, it is interesting because I, I, I think your point is the more people you impact, the greater the value. I mean, it somewhat reflects back to law number one. Um,
0: well, So, the, yeah, the, the more people, I mean, it starts with that exceptional value, but providing exceptional value to one person probably isn't going to bring you a, a whole income, a big income. But yeah. when, you, when you impact a large number of people's lives with that exceptional value, now, you know, exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Yeah, makes sense. So law number three. This is the law of influence. And this says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Uh, Again, it it sounds counterintuitive, perhaps counterproductive, maybe even Pollyanna-ish, right? But... Uh, you think about the, the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the highest producing money earning salespeople, you know, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to make other people's lives better. They're focused on others. Now, when, uh, and let me clarify this and qualify this, when we say place other people's interests first, we certainly don't mean you should be anyone's doormat. Uh, or uh, a martyr or self-sacrificial, not at all. It's simply understanding that as, as Joe, the protege, learned from several of the mentors in the story, the golden rule of business is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those types of feelings toward you in others than by genuinely uh moving from an I or me focus to what we call an other focus. Looking for ways to, as Sam, one of the mentors told Joe, make your win all about the other person's win.
1: Excellent. I like that. Thank you. I like that a lot. Thank you. And I think, and I'll wait for we'll go through all of them, but I think that applies sure. tremendously to training departments. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Because I guess we can talk about it now a little bit. But if the training department helps other divisions or other parts of the organization succeed, then they are going to be rewarded with mm-hmm. that, you know, with more training needs being fulfilled and being able to help the organization better. Mm-hmm. When the training department focuses on itself and mm-hmm. doesn't focus on the needs of its customers, which are in fact all the stakeholders within the business. Right. Um, So I think that's a really important point. Number
0: four. Number four is the law of authenticity. And this one says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. In the story, Deborah, another one of the mentors, shared, (laughs) excuse me, a lesson she learned in her sales career, which is that, All the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and they are indeed all very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up, as we like to say, as yourself, day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. People feel comfortable with you. People feel safe with you
1: people. I I love what you said. One of those things may be easier said than done. Why is it people don't come from their core? And what are things people can do to ground themselves to make sure they come from their core? Because I see people constantly in fear in business that they're not who they are. They're trying to be who the company wants them to be, or who their boss is or you know, in, in family and life, who their friends want them to be, and that people are not their genuine. I see that a lot. So
0: I think when, when people do not show up authentically, when they don't show up as themselves, we almost as a default, you know, want to say, well, they're just not honest or they're trying to pull one over on us and I say, hey, that's a big world out there. There's people like that, but that's usually not the case. About 99.9% of the time when someone doesn't show up authentically, it's because they simply don't have the self-confidence to yeah. do so. Um, let's face it, it's difficult to show up authentically when you don't believe you have anything authentically to show up with or for. So, um, and the, the you know, we, we all have an innate value to us, okay? We have two, t- I believe we all have two types of value. The first, the innate value, in what I call intrinsic value. This simply means by being a person, you know, you, you bring value to the table. But we also have what's called market value. And I define market value as that combination of of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allows a person to add value or give value to the marketplace in a way that they will be financially and or otherwise rewarded for it. We all have this this market value, what Mike Lippman calls assets of value, right? Certain strengths and talent. We we have But sometimes as human beings, it's difficult to recognize them because we all see the world from our own unique viewpoint, our own belief system, what I call an unconscious operating system. And we tend to think that other people see the world and experience the world the same way. So if we have a certain strength, we just assume yeah, everybody else does too. Okay. We, if we can do this, Oh, it's no big deal. Right. That, which is one reason why people often undersell themselves uh, in many ways. So, Um, So when you ask the question, and it's a really good question, how do we get past this? How do we get through this? Well, you know, that's an area where training can really come into play because it's very important for people to be able to grasp, to know, and to embrace their strengths, their assets of value. And, um, and, and that, you know, without that, a person just not going to be as, as effective. Uh, it's also why someone should be taught to continue to, to learn and continue to study and continue to grow, to not use authenticity as an excuse for not getting better, right? Yes. But it really begins, you know, when we talk about authenticity, though, in, in, in this context, it really begins with having someone, whether it's in, in the training department or whether it's just as a core value within the company, to make sure that people are counseled in such a way that they understand the strengths they bring to the table.
1: I like that. So I take it you are a strength-based person where you believe people should work on building off their strengths rather than uh, focusing on improving their weaknesses. Is that? It
0: it depends. Uh, And here's why. That's a a great question because I, I see this argument come up so often and I don't believe it's an either or. I think it's an and. We, yes, we lead with our strengths and what we're, what our strengths are, we want to continue to develop, but there are, but we also need to be aware of our weaknesses. And I believe there are three types of weaknesses and the, the different ways to, to handle them. There are the weaknesses that are simply no big deal. Those we can ignore. Okay. Uh, they have nothing to do with our effectiveness. Uh You know, it would be as an example of, uh, I don't run long distance as well, okay? But at 61 years old and not looking to run a marathon, that's a weakness I can live with. I don't work on it. I don't care. (laughs) Now, there are those weaknesses. I'm with you. Yeah. uh, There are those weaknesses we need to mitigate, okay? Uh, If we let it go, it would become an issue. Uh, Taking this, uh, uh, again, not within the working context, although we could do that too, but uh, I love to eat junk food, and I don't like to exercise. Okay, if I didn't pay attention to that, I would be very, very unhealthy and not able. You know, a, yeah, it makes sense. Along with it, okay. So I need to. So I have a trainer who who works me out six days a week, and she prepares healthy foods for me. And I know what I can eat and what I can snack on, and what I can't. I don't bring Oreos into the house because I know they would be. Gone as soon as I, I say. So there are those. Uh, I'm not a, a. I'm not a, a health fanatic. Okay, yeah. but I mitigate that weakness. Then there are those weaknesses that we've got to turn into strengths. Okay, and I'll just give you a, an exa- again another personal example. Uh, years ago, I I had very deep anger issues, okay, and it was really easy for me to fly off the handle. I was usually more angry at myself than anybody else, but it manifested itself in a way that was very unproductive, and it hurt my work performance, and it did not endear me to others, and it did, right, and uh, that's something I had to really work on, and it was something internal I had to work on myself, and I had to really, really focus on that. And turn that weakness into a strength. So, so no, I, I will never say just ignore all your weaknesses. There are some weaknesses you can ignore. Some you need to mitigate. Others you need to turn into
1: strengths. Good point. Very good point. So rule number five.
0: This is the law of receptivity. And the law of receptivity simply says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this really means nothing more than that. In the same way we breathe out, we also breathe in, right? We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. And despite the messages we get from, from so much of the world around us, um, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're simply two sides of the very same Coin and they work best in tandem. Uh, It's not a matter of are you a righteous giver or are you or you're some greedy receiver. No, you're a giver and you're a receiver. Okay. Now the focus needs to be on the giving, the giving of value. Okay. But then we allow ourselves to receive that which we have earned through our, through the value we've provided.
1: You know, it's interesting you talk about personal things. For me, that was a massive issue. Uh, I was always taught to be modest. And whenever I hear compliments or I hear people, you know, trying to help me, I feel like in the, in the compliment case, like I don't deserve it. In the, health, in the help me case, I'm a burden right i've been there
0: too i think most of us have it's a it's a you know that's a, that's very normal that's very human
1: and it took me a lot of work to to receive both compliments and help and assistance mm-hmm. uh, so i i think think it's it's a, gr- a great point
0: thank you we're so glad you're listening to this episode of training unleashed brought to you by tortle training The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net.
1: You know, what I'd like to do is talk for a minute about the five laws and how it applies to training departments. So, and I talked to you a little bit in the pre-interview. One of the issues that people in the training field have is that companies look at training almost as an afterthought, and they don't invest enough in it. And and to some degree, I think there's a mentality in training where people are a little beaten up, and and they don't even want to ask. I mean, I, I worked with a client once, and we did an analysis of those that were in the, the locations they had that embraced training at an 80% range versus those that were 50% and below. And there was a 4% higher per annum average growth rate by those people that had embraced training. And I go, wow, this is great. You got to share this with senior management. You go, no, they'd rip me apart. If I did that, they'd rip me apart and that kind of self doubt. And I, I think causes training departments to be more reactive than proactive, that, that, that they the department is a little beat up, not well respected. but we all know you know people listening to the show, training done, done right has massive impact on companies. Sure. So what advice would you give to our listeners to kind of apply, you know to apply some of the principles you have to help them be more successful? Uh, within the internal workings of a company,
0: well, companies that that don't really honor training, let's say, and put a focus on that, and and really grasp its importance, that's a cultural issue. Okay, that's that. That's leadership at the at the top. Okay, uh, while we can lead from anywhere uh, in an organization, a culture starts at the top and trickles down. And so, if you are um, if you're needing to persuade, if you will, or influence that person in a higher echelon of the company, uh, that training is something important that should be embraced, not looked at as an afterthought, or not looking at looked at as as an expense. That's right, or something they have to do, but something they they should be doing and should 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 gratefully do it. Um, you need to be able to sell them on the idea in a way that that they see it as being of value. Remember when we were talking about earlier, nobody buys from you for your reasons, right? They don't buy from you because you need the money and they're, they're not going to buy into your idea of training um, because it's something you think is is, is beneficial. They're going to buy into it because they believe it's beneficial. So, you know, you, like anything else, sales comes down to discovering what the other person needs, wants, and desires and helping them to get it. So when you sell the idea of training, you've got to discover what it is they really want. It's not that they want to invest a lot in training. What they want is the results of that training. And so you've got to be able to approach them uh, in a way that they're going to understand and grasp the benefit.
1: Good points. Very good points. Um, And I I think as I listen to you, the principles that you have in your book fit very nicely to the principles that a division, you know, a training department could have for the department itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, if we all, you know, no one is perfect. We're all moving and trying to become better. At least that's how I view life. Sure. Uh, it's it's a journey. And that the principles you have in your book are good principles for everyone in a training department to embrace, as well as the department it itself. Wow. Um, I want to switch the gear a little bit to mentoring because that's a big part of what you talk about. And um, I believe that it's a big part of success in companies is mentoring people. So maybe right. you could talk a little bit about mentoring.
0: Sure. And, and there are companies who have formal mentor, protege uh, type of relationships and structures and those can certainly work. It's just a matter of the people buying into it. You know, I've known people at, uh, in these kinds of companies who they didn't want to be mentors and it was a bother to them. They didn't want to do it. And you just, you know, they, they shouldn't be doing it. They're not going to be a a, 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 good mentor. <laughs> Usually the protégés are very much into it because most people know that they're, you know, their learning curve can be cut dramatically through having a, a mentor so i think you look for people who want to share their their knowledge and you you uh, you you embrace them for their for their doing that now if you're in a company looking for a mentor let's say there's someone uh who someone in the company who you admire someone who you'd love for them to kind of take you under their wing and mentor you and teach you and so forth I think unless you already have a really good relationship with them, I don't think the most effective way to pursue this is to just come right out and ask them, Hey, would you be my mentor? Because, you know, it's sort of like saying to somebody, well, I know you don't know me from a hole in the wall, but would you share 30 years of your experience with me, you know, or, or what have you, but with anyone, you can politely and respectfully let them know you admire their work, that you're getting started doing so-and-so and, um, And I would certainly understand if you did not have the time or inclination to do this, but may I ask you one or two very specific questions? Now, most people will take the time, especially when you approach them that way, they will take the time to answer one or two specific questions. And you want to make sure those questions, you've researched them. There's a definite agenda and reason for them. You don't ask anything that you could have found out from uh, looking at this person's Facebook page or LinkedIn page or website or, you know, what have you. And so I think when you do it that way, and then when they provide you that information, you're grateful for it. You send a personalized handwritten note to thank them. You, you follow back up in a few weeks and let them know how things are going. And maybe you have another question for them. I think that way you build a real solid relationship because a mentor protege relationship is just that it's a relationship.
1: I think, it's very, I think that's very well very well said. You. Um, you have four books. Can you briefly just sort of tell us about the four books?
0: Well, The Go-Giver is the parable, and we discuss some of the laws uh, from that book. We have Go-Givers Sell More, which is an application base. So that's not a parable. It's just an application base where we share stories of people who have utilized the five laws and how they did it. The next parable is The Go-Giver Leader, where we look at, the go-giver philosophy from a leader's perspective. And then the the last one that's been out for about a year is called the go-giver influencer. And that's where we take the idea of influence and persuasion and take it to kind of a very, very deep level, again, based on the premise that that person who's focused on bringing value to others, that's the person who's going to be the most successful
1: influencer. Interesting. Uh, I love how you have taken the concept and brought it into sales leadership and influence. Thank you. I mean, cause though, you know, a lot of times you read books and you get the basic philosophy, but you don't get how to a- apply it. So, uh, I think that's, that's fantastic. Now I know you have an offer people go to the website, thegiver.com. the giver.com. The go giver. Uh, what? The Go-Giver. I'm sorry. I'm dyslexic. I'm terrible. At the, That's okay. TheGoGiver.com. Go, the uh, you can actually get a free uh, a free paragraph, a paragraph, free paragraph, <laughs> a free chapter of the book. Uh, also, because I've been on the website, a lot of great information. Thank you. Uh, and, it, you know, it sounds like I assume the first book is the, the one to start with, right? Yeah, I,
0: I would begin with the original one, The Go-Giver.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love, by the way, I love parables. Uh, I just, I do. They're just some of my favorite books. I just enjoy reading parables a lot.
0: I I really do.
1: And uh, I thought of writing them and I know how difficult they are to write. So I will compliment you on on having that ability. Um, Bob, as, as you know, we always end and ask our guests for one tip. If you had to share one tip, what would that one tip be?
0: You know, I think it's to continue to learn, just to never, never stop learning
1: love that tip totally totally believe it greener greener growing riper er rotting bob you've been a fantastic guest i really appreciate having you on the show and thank uh, you so much for having me
0: this has been training unleashed but it doesn't stop here just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show that way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts,
1: visit c-suiteradio.com.